we have fought over this next one on this show. We have fought with listeners over this next question. And I don't, I think it translates where, where you live, but how do you feel about pumpkin spice? <laughs> yes, it definitely translates. You know, that's a good question. It's another one of those dividing ones like vaccines, I feel like. Oh my gosh. Um, Is it this, this one probably divides us more than any other <laughs> on this show. <laughs> From like a mom and pop coffee shop, as much as it's too commercial, I still think I'm going to buy in and do it occasionally. So I'm going to have to be like pro pumpkin spice. Hi, this is Becca Johnson, a big ass runner from Southeast Iowa. Go Hawks. Welcome to the big ass runner podcast, where we entertain and encourage runners from all over the world. And now, your host, Jeff Harrell. Well, thank you, Becca. That was an awesome, awesome introduction. And the Hawkeyes, Iowa Hawkeyes, are playing Michigan. By the time this drops, the game's already been played, so we'll see who who won. But go Hawks. Thank you for that great introduction. And I know you're doing some great trail running there in the great state of Iowa. Well, my name is Jeff Harrell. The road has called Stephen away once again unfortunately he will be back but not for this episode but i will say this is episode number 71 and we have an awesome episode planned it just kind of worked out this way but we have two amazing women on the show today the first you're gonna love her name is amy tucker she's an entrepreneur and she has created a product that you're going to want to know about because it has helped me as a trail runner it will help you as well so that's segment number 1 and in segment number 2 the awesome Hillary Spire she is the host of the Trail Running Women podcast you're going to love to hear from Hillary so an awesome awesome show planned but before we get to that it's December believe it or not and I thought hey it'd be great to find out to ask the big ass runner herd what is your favorite Christmas or holiday movie because a lot of us are wanting to get in the holiday spirit we're seeing the shows pop up on TV I was kind of more curious than anything else what is the herd's favorite Christmas movie I had an idea. I know what mine is, but I asked. I sent it out on Instagram. And here's some of the, we're going to get to the top three. We're going to unveil the top three. But I wanted to share with you ones that got votes. Some of these were not surprising. Some of them were. These were not in the top three, but we have Die Hard, which you you can debate. Is that a Christmas movie or not? Christmas Story. Awesome. Awesomeness. Charlie Brown Christmas. Four Christmases, which I just saw the other day, funny, Home Alone, classic, Polar Express, heartwarming, White Christmas, old school, The Family Stone, haven't seen that one in a while, Kloss with a K, Bad Santa, <laughs> Kelly said her husband makes her watch that every year, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen, I saw that not too long ago as well, and the course, the great classic Ernest Saves Christmas. So those were some of the ones that got votes. But the top three, I want to unveil this. We're going to go number three to to number one. In third place, favorite Big Ass Runner Heard Christmas or holiday movie is... That's a Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says it 
That's right. That's right. Attaboy, Clarence. Yes, the classic with Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, It's a Wonderful Life, was number three, third favorite holiday movie, as voted by the Big S Runner Herd. Number two, this is a little bit of a surprise. I thought this one might win it. Number two. (gasps) Wow. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. Yes, the greatness of Elf, Will Ferrell, and Zoe Deschanel. I thought that would be number one. That's actually my favorite. That was my vote. But it came in second. So that begs the question, what Christmas or holiday movie came in first with the big ass runner herd? Any guesses out there? You guys give up? Here is the number one holiday or Christmas movie as voted on by the big ass runner herd. Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny f***ing K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney night, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nuthouse. Yes, Christmas Vacation starring Chevy Chase and Randy Quaid, and I kind of forgot about this, but... Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in that movie, too. That was the number one Christmas-slash-holiday movie as voted on by the Big Ass Runner Herd. So as you're getting into the holiday and Christmas spirit, hope that you will take this list of movies and enjoy some popcorn, get in the Christmas spirit. With that, let's get going on episode number 71, Big Ass Runner. Well, as I mentioned in the open, we're very excited about both of the segments on this week's episode. This first segment, you know, sometimes when you come across a product and you love it and you find out more about the company and you love it, and then you find out more about the people behind the company and you love them, everything just kind of falls into place. Well, that's exactly what happened recently. You're going to really enjoy this conversation. And we have a, to tease us a little bit, a very special announcement at the end of it that's going to benefit the Big Ass Runner Herd. I'm very excited to have on the Big Ass Runner hotline, Amy Tucker. Amy, welcome to the Big Ass Runner. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And I'm trying to remember, we talked about this. Someone, one of our listeners connected us on Instagram. That They tagged us and, and you guys. And I can't remember... I- I want to think, say it was Nick Kiger, but I'm not positive. Nick, if it was you, let us know. Or whoever it was, let us know. But they tagged us. I'm like, ooh, Salty Britches. That sounds like the kind of company we would want to, we'd want to work with. Isn't that 
that awesome? I mean, that's exactly how we have grown is just through kind people that have organically shared our product and our story because they like it. And we're so grateful for that. So I'm thrilled to meet you guys and I've really enjoyed getting to know you guys. So thanks. Yeah. And I want the, the big ass runner herd to get to know you as well. Cause I want to talk about salty bridges and the product and, I know you've got some pro tips for us and all that, but before we get there, I just love to learn a little bit about you. I think people can hear, you know, I, I like to say that I don't have an accent. Everyone else has an accent. I can pick up, you've got a little bit of one. So let us know where you are in the world and, and kind of where you grew up a little bit about Amy Tucker. Sure, sure. I am certainly from the South. I think it's obvious. I'm from South Carolina. We all have a little bit different Southern swing depending on where we're from. So that's where we're based. We started Salty Bridges about three years ago, and it changed our life, like completely turned it upside down. This was so out of the blue and not something I would have ever anticipated being a part of our life. It was just crazy how it happened. But we started because our son, who at the time was about six, we would go to the beach in South Carolina every year, just what you do here, for vacation and my poor kid, he's a, a little skinny thing. And within five minutes of him being in the salt water, he was so miserable. It would ruin our trip. I mean, ruin it. And we tried everything. If it was on the market and it claimed it would help protect him from chafing or from skin irritation in the water, if we tried all the diaper creams. We tried the expensive bathing suits. We tried it all. And nothing worked. It just did not work. So it was really out of what we call mama desperation. I went home <laughs> after a really gnarly vacation, just out of frustration, and started mixing different raw materials I ordered from the internet that I knew would probably work. I have a chemistry background. So I thought, my gosh, if there is not something for him, I'm just going to make it myself. And I did. And we used it for four years and never gave it a thought. We would travel with other families. And we would pass around my concoction to all the families before we'd hit the beach. And then it kind of grew into all of the adults asking for it. Um, and then it kind of grew into we're all sitting on the beach and you start picking out these kids that are suffering. And, and one of the moms would run to that family and say, hey, we, this stuff works. You use some of this stuff for your, your kids so they can swim in the ocean. <laughs> so that's how it started. And in 2017, one of the moms, we were sitting on the beach, she said, you need to post on Facebook that you have a solution for this. And I'm like, what? I'm, I've kind of always hated social media. I've had to embrace it, but I've never had a big social media presence. And I've kind of been forced into it with Salty Bridges. But I thought, I don't want to post on Facebook, you know, that there's I have something for this. I mean, I just don't know. She was like, no, you need to do it. This helps so many kids. You need to do it. So in 2017, while sitting on the beach, I posted on Facebook, and I had 700 comments, text messages, DMs, like my phone just lit up. Please, where can I get it? Where can I buy it? How do I make it? And the light bulb went off. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. So I went home after posting on Facebook at the beach, and every day for six months, my husband and I blended product after work. I put it on a, in a cooler on the front porch of my house and people would come by and drop money in the cooler and pick up a jar. And we 
shipped it and mailed it, and it was bonkers. And then I had a couple of local stores that contacted me and said, hey, why don't you let us sell that for you here? And we like, yeah, please. So we would take all of our jars to the local market and to some boutiques, and they would sell it like crazy. I couldn't believe it. But there was a time that I thought, oh, my gosh, either I have to pursue this and quit my job or I have to quit doing this and focus on my job. I could not do both very well. It was really, really tough. And my husband, this is kind of funny, my husband is really risk adverse. (laughs) (laughs) He has worked for the same company for 35 years. He's an engineer. And I went to my husband. I'm like, what do we do? I'm the risk taker. I'm the one that's willing to try new things and and meet people and go places and just figure it out. And he's the complete opposite. But I just wasn't sure. I knew I I couldn't do it without his support. He said, we're going to do this. You can't tell these people you can't make this anymore. You can't tell them it's not going to be a product. You know, there's too much demand. So we sold everything we owned. And we moved into what we affectionately call the tiny house, which is based in the middle of nowhere. It's been in our family since 1984. No closet, no washer and dryer hookup. Like, I'm telling you what, this is a tiny house before they were cool. <laughs> and we moved my son out of private Christian school in the seventh grade to public school, to a school where it was an hour away from where we lived. So he didn't know anyone. I mean, we changed our whole life, you know, our bank, our church, grocery stores, the whole thing to bootstrap this business. And we were fortunate enough to buy some land that connected to the tiny house. And we built our shop, which is where I'm talking to you right now. It's where we ship from. And it's where our laundry room is. (laughs) We actually (laughs) built a laundry room inside of our shop. So it worked. It worked. And it's been a beautiful ride. And we're just so grateful and thankful that people love the product and they're sharing the product and they're using the product. And we've kind of let it tell its story for the past several years because honestly, we just didn't know how to do it. And it's just done that. It's told its own story. It started as a coastal product, but it's really ventured into other spaces, including trail running, ultra endurance events for sure, and the military. So it's been wild, Jeff. I hope that kind of encompasses the whole story in one big story. No, that was awesome. I I do have some follow-ups. So first of all, I think you, did you call it Mama Innovation? Is that what you called it? Mama Desperation. (laughs) I I heard it as innovation because I think all of us who have had just awesome moms, you know, through the years, and my wife's an awesome mom as well, it's like when there's some problem big problem to solve mom's figured out like they find a way like i'm not no solution is not the right answer i'm going to find a solution so i love the fact that you're like there's nothing that's solving this problem i'm going to go figure it out yeah I, yeah i i couldn't imagine not figuring it out it, it was just that bad for him and you know i think god kind of has a funny sense of humor he tells you okay you know this is going to be in your future so i'm really going to strike your kid with this because he suffered so much more than other kids did and he suffered so quickly i mean within 5 to 10 minutes he was walking like a cowboy crocodile tears <laughs> and he would get it on his 
chest and his arms really bad. So if he'd hold a boogie board, you could see the imprint around his skin from holding the boogie board. It just would take him that bad. Of course, he'd get it in his thigh region too. And we tried the surf rash guards, which made it worse. Fabric can make it worse because fabric provides more surface area. So when you sweat or you're wet from salt water, the water evaporates and you're left with salt ions that are trapped in the fabric, which just contributes to more friction. And that just made it worse for him. So we had to come up with a product that was clear because let's face it, as he's growing up, he did not want white diaper rash cream on his armpits. <laughs> That's right, yeah. He didn't want to draw any attention to himself, so it had to be clear. That was very important. And it could not be a slimy, greasy mess like Vaseline or Aquaphor because everything would stick to that. The sand would stick to it. It would come off on his board. It was just a mess. So those products didn't work, and our product couldn't be that way. So the challenge was coming up with a product that would bond to the skin and last and not attract grit. Yep. And that ended up being a little more of a challenge than I anticipated. But our answer for that was the lanolin. And that's what makes Salty Bridges different. This is not a petroleum base. It's a lanolin base. And lanolin comes from the wool of sheep. So if you were to shear a sheep, put their wool in a centrifuge, the animal fat that is spun out of the out of the wool is lanolin. And it has a lot of wonderful healing properties. The lanolin that we use is medical grade. It's super clean. No pesticides have been sprayed on the sheet, that sort of thing. So it's a high-grade, expensive lanolin, which was important to me. I'm putting this on my kid. So I don't want to contribute to any other skin ailments that he could have or any kind of inflammatory response. Yep. So we started with the lanolin, which, bonds to the skin because lanolin most closely mimics the lipids in human skin more than anything else in nature. So that's how you get that bonding effect that you've noticed. The big thing with Salty Bridges is it is not a lube. And that is really a disrupting thought for chafing because everyone assumes in the running world or the athlete world that you need a lubricant. But then when you think about a lubricant, on your feet, for example, that doesn't marry very well because the last thing you want is your feet to slide around in your shoes. Right, right. What do you use to prevent blisters on your feet? And that's one of the beautiful beautiful parts of Salty Bridges is that in one product, in one tube, you can use this from head to toe, including your feet, and you do not get a slippery effect. It bonds to the skin, and it lasts for miles and miles and miles and you don't have to worry about a greasy feeling and it doesn't break down into a greasy gooky kind of effect and i can absolutely uh second that because you know when amy when we started first connecting i said well you know we would love i've never never heard of your product i love the name first of all and we'll talk about the name here in a second but secondly, you know, because I haven't heard of it or used it, I would love to use it. So you sent me some and we put it through the ringer. We tried it in a lot of our training runs, but also in our 50K and you had some pro tips. So I used them. I, I put them all over my feet and, you know, and used my exoskin toe socks and it was yeah. a perfect combination because I didn't, 
I didn't even feel the, my feet at all the whole race, and I didn't need to change socks or anything. It was awesome. So I can I can second that. It it definitely felt different than what I've used before and worked great. Just worked perfectly. Awesome. That's what it's all about for us. It's, you know, this is not – it's just kind of a different niche. We're working with real hard chargers, people that are doing really difficult things. They're run. I mean, running 100 miles, that was not a thing 20 years ago. <laughs> right. People are really doing hard things, and they need a product that will – go with them you know that will last the guy that is the race director for the pine mountain trail run had never heard of salty bridges and he ran a hundred miler in september somewhere i think he might have been in tennessee i'm not exactly sure where he was and his hydration vest he had never suffered from chasing like it just wasn't a thing for him and some people are lucky like that but his hydration vest rubbed him so raw he could not wear a shirt or his hydration vest and oh, basically goodness. had a pacer that had to carry his hydration for him. And turns out one of the girls at the aid stations that he arrived to is one of our ambassadors. And she saw him and the medics were going to try to work on him because he was so, it was so bad. The pictures were horrific. She had her own stack of salty britches and she covered it. She, she just told him, just trust me. She runs under milers like all the time. She said, just trust me on this. Let me cover him with salty bridges. And she did. She covered his back, used almost her whole tube of salty bridges. And he said she had 30 miles to go. And he thought, he called me personally after that race because he thought we had lidocaine in it. He said it took the pain away. Like I had no pain from that on my back it was unbelievable i want to know what's in this stuff and i'm like there's no lidocaine in it that is the lanolin lanolin is magic Mm. it's just magic and he was so blown away i had no idea he was the race director for pine mountain so he's like you know i have this i'm organizing this race we have got to have this product in the packet people have got to know about this product we've got to get the word out about this product and it's just the goodness of people that they find a product and they like it and they just naturally want to help. And that's exactly how we've grown. It's just such a blessing. It's really been a blessing. I love that. I love that story. One of the really cool things about Salty Bridge is, is that you can use it to prevent the chasing, but you can also use it to treat it. Mm. And that is often the case, especially at the beach. You don't know your kids are going to suffer until they suffer. Yeah. The advantage of salty bridges is that you can go get it and put it on the rash and it will soothe the rash after the fact. Keep it from getting worse. Um, And it does help alleviate the discomfort. So that's one of the real neat things that the product told the story to us is that it will work to prevent it or treat it. And that's really special because you don't want to suffer and you certainly don't want your kids to suffer. So if there's something out there that can do that, we wanted to be that product. That is awesome. Yeah, you don't think about that as preventing, but also treating. Great if, if all you're doing is walking around in the hot summer, but Salty Bridges is not really for that. Salty Bridges is for the, the hard chargers and the ones that are really exposed to extreme conditions. And that's why we formulated it the way we did. And with a couple of prototypes, the Bluetooth, the chasing ointment, was formulated to not melt in the heat. So, because originally this was for beach. So the last thing we wanted is to leave it in a hot car or a beach bag and it turn into a runny mess on the beach. That's no good. Yep. So 
we formulated it with some wax so that it would not melt, which turns out it works really great when you're really sweating or you're in a really hot environment. One of our challenges is that we started shipping this up north. It turned out to be some hockey players. We had no idea at the time who they were, but they contacted me and said, "We it's cold here. We cannot squeeze this out of the tube. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, what? What do I do about this? Another so another I, problem to solve. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we reformulated and came up with the winter skin release. So that one is designed to not freeze in the cold. So it can be temperature dependent, but it's for good reason. It's, it's just about impossible to land on a product that will handle both temperatures. So we have a, we have options and then we have the black tube, the skin barrier ointment that was actually legit active duty special forces sat at a table with me, came up with the logo, came up with the verbiage on the front of the tube and asked for the slack tube. So we, that was really more for marketing for our first responders and our military, but it's it had its fun following on the side. So it's a little softer than the blue tube, not as soft as the winter skin. So we kind of have a little progression of thickness for our product. But some of the pro tips, you mentioned feet, definitely covering your feet, your ankles, the top of your feet, in between your toes. You can use this under your arms. Like for me, I'm not a huge trail runner, but I do love to run trails. And my hydration vest really bothers my arms. Yep. And instead of buying 15 hydration vests to find one that really works, I just put salty bridges on the inside of my bicep, and it does not bother me. I can run with any hydration vest for any length of time and I don't chafe. It doesn't bother me at all. You can also put it on your lips. So when you're out running long distances, your your mouth gets dry, your lips get dry. The Salty Bridges is a skin barrier. Put it on your lips and you won't have to suffer with the dry lips from running long distances. You know, that that's the one you told me about. I went, oh, that's interesting because my lips do get dry on training runs yeah. and long runs. And I've, I've been doing that. I think that... I love all the applications, but that's one I wouldn't have thought of that I absolutely love. Plus, with it being in a tube, you can share it with a suffering friend and not <laughs> have to worry about contamination. Right. You know, and you're going to put it in all the places. You're going to put it in the groin. You're going to put it in the places the sun doesn't shine. Squeeze a little bit on some toilet paper. Put it where you need to rub it, and then you can give it to your friend that needs to do the same thing, and you're not worrying about ruining your dick or your roll-on, or whatever it is. Yep. That was important to us because we were using this for a lot of kids at the beach, and we didn't want nasty, sandy hands in a jar or just passing around. I mean, as a mom, I thought of that. You know, I just didn't want to share the cooties. <laughs> so we put it in a tube. That was important. I love it. I do want to ask you before I forget about the name, and I think I have an idea of why you named it Salty Britches, but I'd love to hear if there's a story about that and why, why you named it Salty Britches. I wish there was a really cool story about that, but it kind of fell out of the sky. When we were sitting at the beach in a circle the same year that I posted on Facebook, I don't even remember who it was, but we were sitting in a circle talking about how to name the product. And I knew that I wanted riches in the name. And somebody sitting in the circle with us said, salty britches. And as soon as I heard it, I knew instantly that's it. 
Yep. And I went right then and set up trademark for that name. And that name alone has been so fun for us because people really gravitate to the name. They like the gear, the hats, the stickers. And, and some people don't even know what it is, which is really funny because we, we have some really high-end women's boutiques that are hoity-toity. And they <laughs> sell the heck out of our hats. And they don't even know that it's a pin barrier chafing ointment. That's funny. <laughs> they just like the logo. It is funny. It's been well, fun. As a marketing, you know, I've been in marketing my whole career and a, and a branding guy. What I love about the name, I think names should evoke the kind of emotion or uh, elements of the company or the brand or the product. And it's, it's just a fun name. And I, th- I feel like that's part of your, you know, your brand and part of who you are too. It's like this, this should be fun. This is a great product, but you could have named it real something kind of, you know, more medical or sterile, but you named it something fun. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that it is a fair window into our family and who we are. One of the points is that the brand name is Salty Bridges, the product name, the FDA required us to name it something that would require no explanation. So we stuck with the brand name Salty Bridges, and then each product has its own name, like casing ointment, skin barrier ointment, winter skin relief ointment. So the name had to describe what it was if it was sitting on a shelf. No, I think it's. I think the descriptive part's helpful, but I just I love the element and, and go check out her logo because it's got it's got the uh, what, what do you call the hand uh, you know the hang loose no, hand and just love it. Well, because, you know, we've used the product, we love the product, we got to know you. And and I think, you know, the listeners of this show know, first of all, that the trust that we have with our listeners is one of the most important things that we have and that we, we certainly cherish and value. And we're very, very selective when we think about the kind of companies and products and people that, that we want to partner with. But we have a really exciting announcement. You and I, the, the big ass runner and Salty Britches. We're going to have a partnership because we love your product. We're going to talk about your product a lot because we use it and we love it. And so we're super excited to announce that partnership. And we've got a, a little bit of an offer, I think, for our Big Ass Runner Herd as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just honored to be able to offer this to all of your listeners. But we set up a code, Big Ass Runner. All, it all goes together. It doesn't matter if it's capital or not. But if you go onto our website, Big Ass Runner, use that code. You'll get 20% off of anything that you order online. Love it. And you know, this is dropping early December. Perfect, absolutely perfect stocking stuffer for yourself. You know, a lot of times for Christmas, I'm, I'm actually buying my own presents because <laughs> my wife's like, just oh. get whatever you whatever you need. After you're married for a long time. You buy your own gift. Exactly. So, Amy, if, if someone goes online, they want to go to getsaltybritches.com, they will see the different options there. And I just want to, for clarity's sake, just kind of reiterate that the blue one is best in warmer conditions. The black one is kind of the middle middle of the road, would you say? Like if it's just kind of standard conditions? Yes, it's slightly softer. The blue one, so the trick, too, with these products, if you're leaving them at room temperature, you should be fine. If yep. you want to put it in your pack, you may want to go with the one that's temperature specific. Got it. Um, but if you're just applying it at home before you go, you're okay. But still, the other trick too is the single use packs are really, really helpful to carry in your pack because they weigh nothing and they have plenty of products for all day. Those 
are fine even in the cold because it's not a tube you're squeezing from. You're just tearing the pack and oh. you can get the product. Awesome. That's another pro tip. So get the single use as well. But yeah, thanks so much for that generous offer. I know you know with Christmas around the corner, holidays around the corner, perfect stocking stuff for gift. Twenty percent off. That's awesome. Well, we're delighted to offer it to your listeners and, and thrilled to meet your listeners. Well, Amy, thanks once again for that. And we're like I said, we are super excited to be partnering with you and with Salty Britches and using your product. And I know I when I first heard about it being created for the beach, I'm like salt. And then I thought, you know, every time I run, there's a big salt ring around my shirt and my face uh-huh. is covered with salt. This is actually perfect. And I've actually been looking for something that would help with that. So thanks for creating this and solving that problem and, and sharing it with the big ass runner herd. Oh, it's my honor. It really is. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Yeah, well, definitely stay in touch and and have a great holiday. I know it's going to be a busy time for you, so happy holidays, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you. Same to you guys. Take care. Lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go. Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Well, one of the things we absolutely love to do is to give shout-outs and kudos to the big-ass runners out there just making it happen. This week is a little different because this week we want to give a shout out and kudo to an entire city. You know, this podcast is really nothing without the great listeners, the herd out there listening to the podcast every week. And in looking at our numbers, believe it or not, in our top 10, there is a city outside of the United States. In fact, it is the city of Sydney, Australia. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Let's not. Number eight in terms of listenership of this podcast. So I just wanted to give a special shout out. I'm sure it's our accents that, <laughs> that you guys love, but I know there's a lot of great trail running out in Sydney. It's very high on my bucket list of places to visit, so maybe someday we can all run some trails together. But big shout out to our listeners out in Sydney, Australia. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Big shout out and kudos to you. Way to go. Well, I recently had the distinct honor and pleasure of being a guest on an awesome podcast called Trail Running Women. The host is Hillary Spires. We connected recently. You know, one of the things that has been one of the big, biggest blessings for Stephen and I as we've done this podcast is the people that we meet along the way, the big S runner herd, the partners that we've met, the great race directors, just people all across the trail running community. And Hillary is one of those people. And she had me on her show. I had such a great time. I had to have her on as well. You guys are going to love her. Here's my conversation with Hillary Spires. Well, now joining us on the Big Ass Runner Hotline is the host of Trail Running Women. We have with us Hillary Spires. Hillary, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, and you were so nice to have me on your show. And I absolutely is like, I've got to have you on The Big Ass Runner as well. Although, as I kind of dug into your bio a little bit, 
I found, you know, hockey player since age three, kickboxer, cage fighter, jujitsu, triathlete, trail runner. Obviously, I'm like, we need to rename this episode the Badass Runner because you've done a lot of cool things in your life. <laughs> well, that would be an honor. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to dive into your some of your athletic background and how you got into trail running. But I want the big ass runner herd to orient and get get to know you a little bit. So tell us, you know, where you're from, where you are now, and kind of kind of what your everyday life is like. Yeah, sure. I'm actually up in Canada in Vancouver on the west side. So very rainy right now. We're just tired before the show. We're experiencing these things called atmospheric rivers where it's been exceptionally warm because of climate change. So we're just dealing with like crazy, crazy amounts of water and flooding so that's kind of the day-to-day is actually dealing with that stuff man yeah i know it's crazy sorry i don't need to go down that pessimistic route it's just what we're (laughs) living right now and as far as my day-to-day i'm 35 i have a toddler that's two i have a podcast and then i do coaching online for other runners and just try to get involved in the trail community any way that i can obviously like you just said i've played a lot of sports but i found that the satisfaction and the happiness I get from trail running is kind of different from any other sport and it comes from the community and the training days and just getting through like each workout as well as the races and the vibe of the races so uh, it really kind of drew me in because of the like rewards you get from it overall so yeah here I am and did you grow up in an athletic family and and did you grow up in in Canada and in that area that you're in now yeah. So my older brothers, I have two of them, they played hockey. So obviously that's probably what made me want to start. I believe I was in ballet earlier. My mom wanted to put me in that and um, it may have been kicked out. I, <laughs> the story, something like, something like that. It wasn't going to be a sport for me. That seems on, that seems on, I don't know you that well, Hillary, but that seems on brand. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely, definitely did. It's not a surprise to anybody. Uh, and my dad still is a very good golfer at 73 and they're, still riding their bikes and walking a ton and my older brothers are athletic not to the same degree it's been kind of fun actually my middle brother is a writer and a fantastic kind of creative and then my older brother is a very very smart kind of analytic guy so we each had our own sort of sector to try to excel at and uh, yeah it was really outdoorsy family as well just given the, the place that we live and the access to the mountains and the terrain so skiing and hockey and running and all that sort of stuff. Lots of typical Canadian ice sports as well. And I think you played hockey. Did you play like through college kind of a thing? I did. Yeah. So I ended up playing down in the NCAA in Minnesota actually for a few years. And then I finished up and played in CIS in Canada as well. And then there was something called the NWHL back when I was younger with a women's professional league that I was lucky enough to be a part of. So that was kind of what I call the glory days. And then I retired in my young 20s. And that's when I started trying a bunch of other sports. And I have to ask you, because as I did a little bit of research, I, I saw a picture of you in a cage, looked like cage fighting. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that. Was it the hockey? You're like, I need to hit somebody or what? What? Tell us a little bit about that. You know, this is going to, okay. So I'm also kind of a geek when it comes to sports, I guess, in general. And that was something that particular fight that you're talking about with a kickboxing match and there was always something about MMA or kickboxing or just boxing in general that really caught my eye and not the like having to hit somebody but that it's really mental as well and that it really fit in with being a defenseman in hockey where 
you're just kind of stuck one-on-one with somebody and you're trying to read what they're going to do. And if you can stay one step ahead, then you know where they're going to be open and you can hit them more about getting points in that respect than trying to actually hurt them, right? So it was something that I always just thought really fit with my athletic ability and then not having a, a huge amount of fear around things like that and thinking like this would be just a really fun thing to do because I had no finesse in hockey. I was a good defenseman, but I couldn't no no finesse. So this kind of took the stick hand a little way. I think that's what a lot of people don't, and, and I, I don't probably appreciate too, is the, the strategy in kickboxing and cage fighting. It's like, there is a lot of strategy involved. You, you, you can look at it and go, oh, it's just two people trying to beat each other up, but, but that's actually not true at all. No, it's totally strategy. And of course you want to be strong in all of those physical parts of it as well. But yeah, like you're not in there thinking like I want to hurt this person. And then afterwards you're super nice to each other and yeah, just kind of go on from there. So how did you transition from that into trail running? I'm very curious. So when I was training for that, this was a time that people had blogs. Like, you know, moms would have blogs for like, I don't know, new mom stuff. I just had a baby. I should know. (laughs) Or cooking and fashion or something. And I wanted to start um, some sort of blog around sports. And I thought, I must have been like 25. Maybe I'll just play every sport in the world once and write on it and try to learn like literally every single sport. I did not know there's actually 8,000 sports. There are so many and they are ridiculous. So I got through like, I don't know, 100 and then I was like, well, I better do a trail run. And Gary Robbins, who a lot of people know who he is from uh, the Barkley Marathon, yeah. has a race series here. And so I went to one of his races, and it was a really challenging race in the mountains here. And I got to the finish line, and I was like, oh, I'm actually not going to do anything else. I'm just doing this now. So <laughs> you, you, I were, never did. you were hooked after one. Yeah. Yeah. And I trained by my brother and I were going for a hike and I was like, you know, I should probably just try to run a hundred meters and see what it's like to run in here. Um, Cause I'm going to try to race this. And he was like, okay. And then I like ran and touched a tree and that was the extent of my training. But in the, I don't know what the train there is like, but in the Pacific Northwest, like it's roots, rocks, dirt. It's so technical that you just can't get your mind ever around ever trying to do anything other than basically walk or crawl on all fours over some of this stuff. So just learning to move quickly on it was such a, a cool appeal too. Well, I think that's, and we talked about this, the strategy behind, you know, kickboxing and things. I think that's what a lot of people don't appreciate too about trail running is the amount of strategy that, and we've talked about it on, on, on this show quite a bit, but I think most people don't appreciate the strategy that goes, I mean, every, to me, pretty much every part of a trail race is strategy and pivoting based on what's going on at the time, like triage, <laughs> like, uh Oh, you know, stomach's not feeling well. What do I do? Or gosh, I feel a little bit of a pain, you know, in my knee, what do I do? Or I'm about to run out of water. Well, you know, just, it's a series of kind of figuring things out and, and strategy. And even the, like the, the terrain, do I take it easy here? Because I know I've got a lot of vert that's coming up or, you know, th- those sorts of things. I think it's just very interesting how much strategy is involved. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I was actually kind of thinking the same thing a second ago, right, when we were talking about that. And I coach athletes um, oftentimes to say their first 100K or the first 50 mile. And I always say there's some things that, like, you just, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face beforehand. But until you're in that moment, you might not totally know how you need to solve that pro- problem because it's going to be different in 
kilometre 80 of 100k and we're probably not going to train to that distance very often, if at all. So it's just a series of these small problems and learning. And then they just become easy to solve. And you're like, oh, that's right. Like my stomach's bad. I know if I do this, I'm going to be fine. And you don't have to spend too much time thinking about it. Yeah, I think as we've talked on the show, it's it's taking all those things into consideration, but also trying to figure out what might I engage in what during my run and let's try to experience that before like for example we're doing 100k in february we're going to run into the night if we've never run at night before that's that's a problem (laughs) we could probably figure it out but let's do some training at night let's let's try to anticipate but to your point you can't anticipate everything or at least you can't anticipate the way you might experience it in that particular race no exactly and that's sort of the fun of it is like yeah of course you're going to practice running at night but you might get to where you're like, oh, I didn't know after my sixth hour of running at night that I get a huge bruise on my forehead. And the only way I can wear a headlamp comfortably is over a buff. And those are just like, you got to get there. And then you know that that's what you got to do. And also figuring out that headlamps have more than one setting, which I uh, I learned the hard way. So <laughs> those those are the lessons. Yes, definitely. And there, there are many different brightnesses. And the last race I did, my last 100K actually was through the entire night. So there was 11 hours of darkness. So oh a goodness. good headlamp, a really good one might last at full battery for six hours. So you had to have a backup plan there. Yeah. Our first, our first, uh, night race was a loop. It was, I think a six mile loop that we did three times. So the first couple of loops, I'm like, okay, this seems okay, but I just, I feel like I'm stumbling around a little bit and I was just messing with my headlamp because it was hurting my head and I hit something and it hit the bright button. I went, Oh, Okay. I can actually see now. This is really cool. Oh, well, that's so funny. Well, I know you've done lots of different distances and have are a very accomplished trail runner, but I, I think I buried the lead earlier because there's one thing that you've done that I think we need to talk about, or at least I want to ask you about. And this was in twenty nine okay. this was twenty nineteen. You ran the Ridge Run thirteen K trail race. You came in yeah. first. You were first woman overall. And you were four months pregnant. Tell us about that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anybody's been pregnant around the four months mark, you feel pretty good. And it was actually snowing. There's about a foot of snow. And I had had a really lucky time kind of up until that point and didn't have to take very many pauses in training. And I was working with my good wife and being smart about it and all those things. And yeah, just felt really good. And it was fun. And the people, a couple of the men that had came in right behind me were not as excited to learn that the pregnant <laughs> runner had beaten them. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. And the community here is, is really great. So a lot of people knew and were supportive. And yeah, it was just a fun thing fun thing to do. And I was lucky enough to get to run a lot through my pregnancy, actually. It's like your, your daughters won a race and she didn't even know it. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Hillary, I'd love to now transition into your podcast. So you're trail running, you love it, you run one and you're hooked and you're you're running these different races. What made you decide, hey, let's start a podcast? That's a really good question. How did that all come together? <laughs> okay, so I ran the first race and it was 13K. And then I was like, I need more. And I signed up for a 55K that was two weeks later and suffered through that. <laughs> as you can imagine. So 13K and then and then 50K two weeks later. Yeah, th- and I don't recommend that to anybody, but <laughs> um, kind of a, one of those all or nothing, which I think is a relatable thing in, in traffic. Yes. And I think during that run, 
was the first time I'd experienced, because I hadn't done a lot of trail running, conversations you have with other runners for a long time. Yeah. I remember at like four hours thinking like, okay, I can't be that much longer. And then asking the guys that I was running with, how long do you think this will take? And one of them said, oh, probably nine or 10 hours. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> but we started for like three or four hours. And then I was telling my uh, boyfriend at the time, was now my husband about the race and kind of talking about how amazing it was to feel like I was in this adventure way lost in the mountains because it's rugged, crazy terrain out here. But what was more focusing on these like, amazing conversations I had with people because I just basically went to hell and back with somebody I'd never met before. Yep. And we went through like our whole life stories and went through highs and lows together. And then um, one of the things that's been just like a regular part of my life always is that I find a sport and then I want to do really well at it. So then I start researching everything there is to know about it. I'm currently trying to learn tennis. That's a stupidly hard game. But when it was back to the running, I started listening to all the podcasts. And so this was seven-ish years ago now, and none of the podcasts were hosted by females. And there actually weren't that many trail running podcasts, not really as many trail now. And then, you know, a year or two of racing and running more and getting more involved in the community and having this type of thing of talking to people come more and more and listening to more podcasts. Finally, I was listening to one, and a guy said, there are still no more female hosts, and if you're a female and you might want to start a podcast, you can just do it. And I thought, oh, okay. And that was almost four years ago now. It was four years ago in the summer. Amazing. And I recorded three episodes and didn't know what to do with them. I just recorded them and they sat there on my computer for like three months before I thought, can you go look and see if I can figure out how to edit one of these? And there was no rhyme or reason to it. I just started talking to people on the phone or through Skype back then. And now I use a different program. Yeah. And then just put them out. And there was obviously just a need for it. And it grew really fast. And it's been so much fun. Well, it's amazing to see uh, trail running women has grown so well. I think I think you're, did you say year three or so? I think you're about a year ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. Just finishing up year, I guess the time that they actually published, it'll be four years in October 2022, probably. That's awesome. And yeah. I only know that because. It was when I got married, so it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get married. Let's start a podcast. Well, I I get a sense, Hillary, that you like challenges. So it sounds like this was one of those challenges like, hey, let's go figure this thing out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was no pressure. Like, it didn't have to be anything. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. But the female space just must have been needed. And it really did just catch on really fast. And I think it was just women saying like, I want to do this thing. And am I the only one out there doing it? And we had to make our community like a, find a way to reach each other. So that was just a part of how it works. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And which, which is why I was so honored to, to be on your show. And I, I really, really appreciate you asking me to be on. And I'm sure that the show has evolved over the last you know, three plus years, but tell us about the show now. What, what is, cause I think while our shows are very different in terms of the format, I think we're very similar in that we try to tell stories about the everyday runner. So tell us a little bit of kind of the heart of trail running women. Yeah, exactly. You just hit the nail on the head. And like we have had probably 10 or 12 male guests now. And it's been kind of people like you who I think connect the two worlds of what we're trying to do and have similar goals and aren't just talking to professionals. And what it was was like 
if you have run a hundred miler, for example, that most women who have done that and completed one, if they're not a pro, have a lot of other things going on in their life. So the stories became almost more about what's going on in their life and their story and how running fit into that instead of just about their running story. And I think that's what kind of drew people in. And we've had anything, everything from people who have used running to get over eating disorders to losing a parent and overcoming a divorce or being a single mom and thinking like, if I can accomplish this, I can do anything and that sort of thing. And that's what makes it relatable is people being like, oh, I don't need to have 20 hours a week. I can literally be a nurse and have two kids and no support and find a way to make it work if I really want to. And that is what has inspired other people and drew people in. And it's really just about giving women a place to tell their story and a platform to tell their story who otherwise maybe wouldn't be heard. One of my first guests, Lori, was in her 50s and she'd run 10 hundred milers, a 200 miler, is an amazing volunteer. And like no one has really ever taken the time to sit down and look at her accomplishments before um, because it's just not in her nature to be like, oh, guess what I've done. So her having this opportunity to just get to talk about it and spread out what she's done meant a lot to her and then it meant a lot to everybody who listened. So it's been really fun and it has nothing to do, like I don't actually say a lot in my podcast. It's quite easy because everybody's an expert in their own story. So I just say like, tell me about you and then they do. Well, being on this side of the mic, I know while it may seem like you don't you know, say a lot or the gift of being able to guide a conversation and, and help someone tell their story is, is definitely a gift. And you have that, you know, I think too, something you said made me think of this, you know, we all admire, you know, the Jim Walmsley's and the fill in the blank, Courtney Dewalters of the world. We, we admire those people. But I think when you see someone who has a full-time job, who's juggling kids and, trail running and training for these big ultra races, it's almost like my admiration for those people, the ones that are you know trying to strike this balance and stay healthy and, and run for a, you know the, the why. And we'll talk about your why here in a, in a bit. To me, those are the stories that I can not only relate to, but are even more inspiring to me because of all the conflicting things that they've got to balance and figure out in their lives. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. And I was just going to reiterate exactly what you said. It's like, it's one thing to be able to sit on the couch and recover between your two a days. It's a completely other thing to be trying to pay the bills as well as train and eat properly and take care of others. So yeah. Yep. Yep. Those, those are the true heroes, I think. (laughs) Well, we, we talked about, we mentioned why a little bit, I would love to hear, you know, in one of our favorite segments that we do here on the big ass runners, we have our listeners, share their why from time to time. Would love to give you the opportunity to do that as well. Hillary, why, why do you run? You know, it it's changed a lot through COVID. And I think it's kind of been an interesting thing to look at. I think I have a lot of different layers to why I run. And I think, to be honest with you, there's probably a part of it. We talked about my hockey career earlier where I had a bunch of big goals and some of them I didn't make, namely the Olympics. And I think there was like this need to think that I don't want to waste any athletic ability or I don't want to consider myself a failure. So maybe this is something I can succeed at. And there might be some motivation that maybe isn't super healthy, but it's been interesting to kind of look at. And then a completely other side of it where 
it's just the community. And like I talked about earlier, the satisfaction of getting through a workout, like a run that has intervals because it is mentally challenging, but physically challenging as well is really satisfying. And then the friends I've made have been probably for the first time, the camaraderie of like the happiness I feel for a friend who accomplishes a goal or does well at a race is equal, if not greater to the excitement I have if I achieve a goal. And I haven't found that in any other sports. And even like when you guys talking about doing your hundred K, like I'm thoroughly excited for you guys to do it and to do really well. And however it goes, and you're going to have such a blast and such an adventure. And, And that's so cool because we know each other, but you know, we're across two countries. And so to actually have that excitement for you is so cool. And then the last thing I think is just the thrill of it. Like, like you said, you're running at night. And the last race I did was at night in Cougar and Bear country. And there was a sign at 3am by myself that was like Cougar in area. And I, you know, hallucinated one standing there. And like, that's something that if there wasn't a race, I'm not going out to that part of the world with a headlamp. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so there's just... There's a little bit of a thrill to it for sure. Some sort of a general Yeah, I played basketball in high school and you know, I will never stand at the free throw line, you know, with the game on the line, feeling that those nerves and that adrenaline, you know, or shooting a three point. Yeah, I don't I won't have that anymore. But I can toe the line like we did last weekend for fifty K and feel those same nerves of excitement and pushing myself and, and trying to accomplish that. So I think that's totally true. I think it's it's this idea that I want to continue to try to challenge myself and try to rise to the occasion of doing something big. I'm sure you get this all the time for your, from your you know non-trail running friends. It's like, why do you do that? Why why would you why would you get up at you know five a.m. and drive somewhere and run thirty two miles? It's like, why wouldn't I do that? Why why wouldn't I want to challenge myself a little bit? So I, I think you're right that that thrill of accomplishment that you maybe had earlier in your athletic career, you can still have through trail running. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have to be, um, and I think we talked about this a bit before where it's different in trail running than in road running. And maybe because it is just this personal challenge of getting, just getting to the finish line and the different adventure that that is for everybody instead of just about being paced or beating the next guy to you. So there's something that just, I think it must be, I don't know what the right word is here. It just must be something innate about being in the wilderness that is good for people too. That's well, true. So yeah, we know that. Right? Love that. Yes. And my wife has hit the stage. My youngest is about to leave, leave for college. So she's in a new, different kind of nesting phase where she is bringing home a different plant every day. And so... I'm getting that sense in my own household now. It's awesome. Oh my goodness. It's like a, it's like a trail run just getting from my kitchen to my bedroom. It's incredible. Oh my God. That's so funny. Is she going to get out there and run? Do you think? No, <laughs> no, I guess it's her <laughs> way of, this, yeah, this is her way of creating an adventure. I think, you know, I wanted to go back to something you said. And I think it's, it's absolutely correct, which is, I think trail, and I'm sure there's other sports that do this, but I can't think of any off offhand. You said, and I totally agree when someone else, like a friend or even someone that you you know a little bit, I, I'm going to, yeah, I've got a, a running coach now and he's got a team. When someone on his team accomplishes something, you're like, Oh my gosh, that's so great. And what other sport will someone go out and, and pace a friend or even we're going to have some people pace us out in Arizona that just listen to the show, never met us. They're going to go out and spend their time, pacing us and I think of cruise if you've ever crewed for someone you see like it is it is not 
necessarily always a fun role to play. You're you're helping bandage uh, blisters, and you're helping. You know, you're probably watching some GI issues and trying to triage and, and help and support. And what other sport would you want to do that just so that you can help someone else? You know, to cross that finish line. I think that is absolutely a huge part of trail running. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there is one. I think the, I run a hundred miles for a charity, and the crew was so supportive and so amazing. And there was a lot of just like sleeping in the car, bored, waiting. Like it's, you're basically just waiting with your crew. Yeah. And I, it was a hundred percent the best day of my life. Like it was better than any bachelorette party or any crazy thing like that. It was so much fun just because it was like this team effort to get this thing done and how everybody like came together and took jobs and got it done and kept each other going. It was, it was so awesome. Yeah. I'm going to get the opportunity to crew and I've never done, actually never done it. And I get the opportunity to do that in January for a race called Rocky Raccoon. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. It's just this idea of giving back too. I think, you know, we've, we've done aid stations before. We love doing that just because you can support and give back and, Again, I just think that's that's such a unique and interesting and, and awesome part of trail running. Are you going to do just crewing or are you doing any pacing as well? I think I'm just crewing. Like I, I'm sure you've done pacing. I have this fear that I'm going to let my runner down. <laughs> like No way. Like trip, no, trip or go too slow. Or I have paced one person. She was, she was doing a, mar- a trail marathon and she asked me to do the first five miles with her. I'm like, okay, I can do that because I'll be fresh. You'll be fresh. You'll be great. So I, I have a little bit of a fear, honestly, Hillary. No, you'll be awesome because your radio voice is so good that you could tell stories and you will get people like out of their body. So pay someone from their like last 30K of something stupid long and just come armed with stories. And that is the best thing when you're running in the dark place to, to have. My last pacer, I was suffering so bad. And he just started talking about like, the heart rate of bears when they hibernate and like (laughs) but I was like that is so interesting and then I just forgot that I was in any pain so I think you would be a pacer extraordinaire if you ever get the opportunity I appreciate that I I can ramble on and it'll be beneficial that'll be great I love it exactly (laughs) well I've got some really you know I'm kind of known for my hard-hitting questions so I don't know if you're ready for this or not but I've got some really okay. hard hitting, okay. like this, these are the things that I'm known for. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Favorite cookie. Oh, um, do you guys have Subway? You have Subway in the US, right? We do. You know, when like you happen to get a white chocolate macadamia nut oh, cookie that yes. just came out of the oven at Subway, the warm one? Yes. I think that. Yeah. We have, we have a, an ongoing debate with myself, Steven, and several of our listeners on the best cookie. That one has not come up. I liked it. Actually, it's funny you say that because we, my son and I were going to watch his, his uh, girlfriend play volleyball and we, the only thing in the town was a subway and they had just made some of the macadamia and it came out of the oven and I got one and it was great. Not as good, yeah, not yeah. As, good as a snickerdoodle. That's, that's my personal favorite, but you know. A snickerdoodle? Yeah, do you guys, do you guys have snickerdoodles where you are? No, so you're gonna have to try to get some. Oh customs my gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna mail you some. I, my daughter makes the best ones, and I will have her make some when she's home for Christmas, and I will send you some. Amazing. There's no Snickers in them. I don't know why they're called snickerdoodles. It's like a sugar cinnamony kind of a cookie. It's really good. What about favorite <laughs> favorite piece of gear? 
You won't? So my friends all make fun of me because I am like a giant old cotton t-shirt. I will take over a performance t-shirt any day. So like rain or shine, I'm stopping wet in like an XXL cotton pajama t-shirt. You and Courtney are the same. Like she just wears her gym shorts. That's just what she likes. That's awesome. Yeah, it's the best. (laughs) All right. What about aid station food? Do you have a go-to? Yeah, I do. So sometimes I have to bring it myself so they don't. But you know the noon electrolyte tab? Yes. Steven is a huge fan. So I like, yeah, I like to just eat them. So I don't mix them with any water. I just chuck it back there, maybe two, and crunch them. And then there's definitely some burps that come. But it is like, I'm sure it's terrible for you (laughs) and bad for your teeth. But uh, I got a real kick out of it. And is this during, this is during a race. You'll just chew like it's a Flintstone vitamin, chug some water with it, and off you go? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love it. If it's a really long race, I'll mix a Tylenol in with it. And it's like magic potion. Dang. Probably cheating yeah, that's a major pro tip right there. We're getting some, we're getting some major value going on. What about so you've run the race and I don't know if you're like me right after a race. I'm not hungry, but usually, you know, it kicks in about maybe an hour or two after. What's your favorite post race meal? You know, that's funny. I ask this question to a lot of people, too. And I don't know. It's so hard because every time I know what it is, somebody else has another option. I think like I just have to go standard salty fries and salty chips like I think I do a lot of sugars in the race and I just need some salt or like a bird a big burger but like yeah. nachos and someone else said bacon would be good too so I'm maybe just burger and fries it's so dull but it's really good you know what that's mine too uh, burger and fries sometimes pizza sounds really good but burger and fries and craft beer to me is the winning combo you know what I'm looking forward to for your race recap is we call it uh, Dawes so you know how you have delayed onset muscle soreness? Yeah. We get delayed onset hunger after long races, my friends and I. So I would like to know after your 100K, how many days you are, are insatiably hungry for? <laughs> my guess is the answer will be many, many, many days. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I have a big appetite anyway, and I can't imagine after 100, 100K what it will be like. <laughs> So do you have a dream race? Is there a race you're like, hey, this is at the top of my bucket list for a dream race. I would love to do this race sometime. You know, my honeymoon and I, we did, my my husband and I, for our honeymoon, did a 90K in the first Oh, wow. It was just the most epically beautiful. Like, I can't even describe to you what those mountains look like. It was like a painting. And so they have a, a 360K version of that race. And I would love to go back and do the whole route, I think, is the first one that comes to mind. And how far did you say you went? We did 90K, but there's a 360K option. You did a 90K on your honeymoon. I did. And I beat them by six hours. Oh. And I was like, is that it? Are we doing <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, so, and there's a three, you say 360K option as well? Yeah, yeah. So you just start obviously further back and I think you, it's not a stage race, but there are places to sleep if need be, which you probably would need to a little yeah, bit in there. That's a big one. And I imagine there's a ton of vert on that course too. It's got to be. Yeah. So the 90K had 6,000 meters. So that's like 20,000 feet, right? Goodness gracious. Making me tired. Okay, so the next question that we have fought over this next one on this show, we have fought with listeners over this next question, and I don't, I think it translates where where you live, but how do you feel about pumpkin spice? (laughs) 
Yes, it definitely translates. You know, that's a good question. It's another one of those dividing ones, like vaccines, I feel like. Oh my gosh, um, this this one probably divides us more than any other <laughs> on this show. <laughs> from like a mom and pop coffee shop, as much as it's too commercial, I still think I'm going to buy in and do it occasionally. So... I'm going to have to be like pro pumpkin spice. All right. Oh, does that make me like hoity toity? No, I don't know. No, we're, we're same. I, I like, I like the flavor. I, I get, I do get the frustration because it does seem like they try to throw it in everything, but I like it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to apologize for it. I like it. Good. And hold strong. You know what? It's like Christmas. Like they've made that way too commercial, but I'm not going to not do Christmas. Like I still like it. Exactly. So you just got to, Take the good of the bad, I guess. That's right. That's right. Well, it's like Christmas decorations. I love Christmas decorations, but let's tap the brakes on when they need to be up. Like, let's don't creep Not into October the other. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, I guess if, so we have someone put the lights up on our house and, and he called and said, when do you want me to do it? I'm like, well, do it as soon as possible because I'm paying you the same either way and I can enjoy them longer. So I guess, I don't know, you know, whatever anyone wants to do, I guess it's fine. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Put them up. Okay. okay, last question. Okay. And we're going to take trail running off the table. This is just bucket list. Besides Latvia, I'm sure Latvia is at the top of your list, but what is the number one place you want to visit someday? That is so hard. You can't ask people that without a heads up. <laughs> well, the- I'd have to just anywhere in Western Europe. I'm obsessed with everywhere there. So I don't know. I'm gonna have, I'll have to pick a mountain. Just pick a mountain. And I don't know. Also, I don't know off the top of my head. You know what? Actually, Greece. I'm going to say Greece. Greece. I've always wanted to go there, and it hasn't, hasn't worked yet. Yep. Yeah. I've not. What's yours? I've not been to Europe at all, other than landing in Heathrow. So I've like that whole thing. I, there's so many on my list. High on my list too, though. And we actually have. You probably do too. We have a lot of listeners in Sydney, Australia. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's I, true. I think there's a pretty good running community there. And by, by the way, shout out to all you s- folks in Sydney that are listening to the show because I really appreciate. It. I see the numbers, like wow, there's a lot of people in Sydney that listen. That's it. That's so a, many. And I've interviewed a few people from Australia, and they are like the nicest, funnest people. And we still talk on Instagram. They're awesome. They're, yeah. Well, first of so first, first of all, they have the, the coolest accent, and two, yeah. it's just they're so nice. They're great people. So that's, that's yeah. I'm, like, I'm going for a run and there's just like kangaroos and koalas. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is a fair. Well, Hillary, it's been great having you on the show. I'd love for you to let people know how they can get in touch with you. Obviously go listen to your podcast, trail running women. How else can people connect with you? Yeah. Yeah. Trail running women on all the podcast platforms. And, and thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Um, and I love what you guys are doing. I love your podcast. And I'm so stoked we got to collaborate if you want to reach out to me for anything, um, I'm hillsport55 with one L, so H-I-L-Sport55 on Instagram, and that's probably the best way, and I can direct you to my website and stuff from there if we need to chat, but there's a link in my bio as well that's got all the, what are they called, link trees? It's got all the stuff there. Link tree, yeah. Well, Hillary, I think one of the, one of the things that I've experienced, and I'm sure this is the same for you in doing a podcast in the trail running world, is the people that you get to meet, the community that builds around it and the people like yourself that, that I would never, you know, I would never in a million years have met you, Hillary, if, if not for trail running and, and the podcast that we both have. So 
it's been a joy kind of getting to know you a little bit. I really want to say how amazing your podcast is, the success that you've had, because, you know, being a podcaster myself, I know how much work it goes into it. So congratulations on that. And like I said, getting to know you and, and get us getting to meet has been one of the, the biggest joys. So thank you. Well, thank you. That's awesome to hear. And, and you guys, too. I think your podcast is doing a lot of good things for for people and yeah like i said i'm excited to see the race and i hope that there's a race recap and some- well awesome hillary thanks so much and let's stay in touch and when you walk down the street say hello to friends you know and everyone you meet oh the mistletoe is hung where you can see somebody waits for you well, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 71. I hope you've enjoyed that. I just loved having both Hillary and Amy on the show. Just amazing, amazing ladies doing some amazing work in the trail running community. And also big shout out to Becca for that incredible, incredible introduction and to the great city of Sydney, Australia for your support of the Big Ass Runner Well, we want to just say, again, a special thanks. Hope that you have a great holiday season. The one thing we would love for you to do, if you can, if you haven't already, is go out on Apple Podcasts, give us a review, a written review would be awesome. I'm actually going to read some on the next episode, so get them in while you can. Would really appreciate that. That's the one thing to really help us. Well, hope you have a great week. Get out there, hit those trails, and keep running your asses off. Oh, by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas this year. Hi, this is Becca Johnson, a big-ass runner from Southeast Iowa. Go Hawks! Welcome to the Big-Ass Runner It's Two words, Rebecca. Two words. But before we get to that, I reached out. By the way, it is, believe it or not, you guys know this, because it's Christmas time. It's the holiday season. Cut that part. What is the herd, herd's favorite? Well, Amy, we are so, hang on a second. I'm going to start that over. Steve, cut that part out. The part that I can, yeah, that I messed up. So Steve, you can cut out that last part. Steve is our excellent audio engineer who makes me sound good. So Steve, you can cut that part out. You like me right now. You like me. Favorite beer? Piece of, oh, we can talk about beer, but I said piece of gear. Small heart grew three sizes that day.